thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a man who can walk and chew bubblegum at the same time, Mike <laughs> Vandebogart. Thanks, Joe, and thank you to everybody who's tuned into Locations Unknown once again. Uh, we've got a really interesting episode this week. It's uh, Joe and I just got done interviewing uh, the sisters of a case we did Pretty early in the start of the show, uh, Michael Allen Fissery. Yeah, I think it was episode number four. It'll be about 30 to 40 minutes long, and it's a uh, lot of cool, not cool, a lot of new information about Michael from his sisters um, came out of the interview, things we didn't know about his past and uh, who he was as a person and kind of how the search and rescue operation went on the ground because both sisters were there for that. So uh, it was a really cool interview. Before we get onto that interview, we've got a lot of new patrons to uh, acknowledge this week. So again, I always say this, I'm going to apologize if I I butcher your name. (laughs) It's kind of uh, what I do. So uh, we would like to give a big thanks to Alex Swingley, Trevor Gordon, Alyssa Forvor, Carrie O'Connell, Eva Freeman, Dan Price, Sarah Maslick, Linda Rauda, Robert Troy Hampton Peterson, and Debbie Marlowe. So I think you did I think you did pretty good. Yeah, it sounded okay. I think Robert Troy Hampton Peterson, you should add a like the fifth after your name or something. <laughs> it sounds like you're royalty. Yeah. But no, we, we can't thank you guys enough. It means a lot to us that you guys are helping support the show. We we just started recently releasing patron-only content, and we, we're going to try and release a patron-only episode every time we release a, an episode for the general uh, feed. So for as little as a dollar, you can you can get access to that content, and if you, you help us out with more, there's some swag that we will send out, uh, including some hats and bumper stickers and we got some new stuff we're going to be posting on there. So, yeah, once again, just thank you. Thank you, thank you for helping out the show. Yeah, I agree. Thank you very much. And without further ado, Mike, let's roll the interview with uh, Michael Allen Fisheries' sisters. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a special episode of Locations Unknown. If you've been with us since the beginning, you might have listened to our fourth episode on Michael Allen Fissery. Michael is planning a solo hike up the north side of the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir in Yosemite National Park. Michael planned a hike to Ranchero Falls, Tiltill Mountain, Lake Vernon, and then through Beehive before returning back to Hetch Hetchy. We are happy to have Michael's sisters, Robin Fissery, and Honor Boone with us to talk a little bit more about their brother. I guess we'll kind of start right out. 
um, maybe both of you can kind of give the audience some background on kind of uh, who you are and your connection to Michael. Um, well, obviously, well, we're his sisters. Uh, we're both younger sisters. We were all four years apart, Michael being the eldest. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael and I are both adopted, and uh, Robin is uh, was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I don't know, we all grew up together in Southern California and, and I don't know, pretty normal, you know, to a, uh, to a large extent. I mean, a certain pr pretty normal family. Michael left home when he was 18 to go to uh, UCSB to go to college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we kept in touch on at holidays. I mean, Robin, do you have anything? No, you you're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so um, that's interesting to know that um, you guys, uh, you know, sometimes people kind of fray apart as they get older, but you guys uh, stayed in touch. Um, one of the things we noticed doing our research on this case was there wasn't really a lot of information on uh, who Michael was kind of as a person you know, what he did for a living, where he lived, kind of his hobbies. I don't, could both of you kind of go into, you know, more detail, Michael as a person, you know, what did he, what did he do for work, um, hobbies, you know, did he have a wife or kids, uh, you know, kind of things like that. Um, well, as far as a lack of information, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me, Michael. Uh, I mean, First of all, Michael disappeared before, you know, I guess everybody and their mother had a computer and a cell phone. And he was also kind of off the grid kind of a guy. I mean, I don't, he wouldn't have had an online presence uh, at all. And the, there is some information on him out there just as the subject of his search. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, as a person, Robin might want to chime in, but he was just a, he was just a nice guy. You know, Robin and I would fight and we all got along, you know, we both got along with Michael. Mm -hmm. um, he was an, a nice guy, the smartest guy I've ever known. Robin would probably agree with me on that, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he had a photographic memory, I think, or, or just at least remembered everything he ever heard or read. Mm -hmm. Um, and he ended up, I mean, he probably could have done anything he wanted. He ended up working for the post office after he graduated from college. He was there for, for years and spent most of his time, like, what, Robin, cycling, boogie boarding. He spent a lot of time at the beach, mm -hmm. hiking. Um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to monopolize this, but Robin, Robin <laughs> is is not interested in, in talking too much. I don't think, I think she wants to, uh, she, she will be welcome to correct me when I make a mistake though. Okay. Uh, so you would say he was probably a pretty fit individual. It sounds like he biked a lot and hiked a lot. Um, was he pretty, yeah. pretty avid experienced hiker backpacker? Yes. Okay. He did hike a lot and stayed fit, cycled to work. Um, every day. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't exercise, I don't think, like, 
work out for the sake of working out. He did things that he enjoyed doing, like cycling and hiking. Okay. Was he experienced in the area of Yosemite that he had gone hiking in? Robin, yeah. do you want to think about that? Yes, he had been there. He had been to Hetch Hetchy before. I don't know exactly every spot that he was going to, but he'd been to Hetch Hetchy. Okay. Have either of you, obviously, I think, Honor, you said you were on the ground during the search and rescue operation. Had you been to that area of Yosemite uh, prior to this? No, and Robin was there as well. We went up, we drove up together. When they confirmed that his car was still in the parking lot uh, after he should have been back, uh, we both drove up together the next day, right, Robin? Yeah. Okay. Uh, since you, you did experience kind of the area where he went missing, can you kind of describe it to our audience? You know, a lot of people probably haven't been to Yosemite before. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the probably most visited part of Yosemite. That would be Yosemite Valley and, you know, where uh, Half Dome and Bridal Veil and and all the famous sites are. It's I I believe it's up. God, I feel like I I should know so much, but it's like maybe the northwest side of Yosemite. Okay. And uh, there's big reservoir, and we've been up there a few, at least a few times since on the anniversaries of his disappearance. Robin has gone as well as some of his friends, and you can walk a trail. The beginning of the trail it starts at like where the reservoir is and you can walk uh, through you walk through a long tunnel and it brings you around to some falls and then on from there um, and and then you can obviously take different routes once you're further along up there I have a quick question so when we when we were doing research we kind of mentioned this before uh, it didn't seem like there was a ton of information available, which, again, is why we're glad that you reached out. There was a statement from somebody claiming to be uh, your brother that talked about Michael going missing. Do you guys have another brother that talked to the press about this disappearance at all? No. <laughs> okay, so see, and this, this, is why, this is why it seemed kind of shady, and we mentioned it back in episode four, because there's someone that claimed to be his brother that said he wasn't prepared with the proper equipment. And they didn't give his information or his name or anything. So it probably could have been somebody who was uh, either taking advantage of the situation for their own popularity or, popularity or something like that. Right. Uh, were, were you experiencing anything like that during the search with people trying to get involved or get like implying or that they're involved with the situation at all or trying to get in on the, the search and rescue operation? No. No, no, nothing like that. I mean, the, the, the only thing I can think of that makes sense is, is like you said, either there's somebody who was just trying to, trying to jump in, or it could have possibly been someone who knew him well and thought of him as a brother. I mean, he had some close friends, mm -hmm. um, you know, from college and, you know, gosh, afterwards that, you know, they may have been perfectly innocent. Sure. Uh, one thing we always like to kind of know about the person that went missing is if they had any kind of medical conditions that maybe would have added to, you know, the situation that got them missing. Did Michael have any kind of medical conditions that would have potentially caused his disappearance or? Do you know, 
Robin might know more than I did about it. He had an issue with swallowing sometimes with, mm -hmm. uh, Robin, do you remember that? I remember it, but I don't know what the condition was called. Yeah, I mean, neither one of us can tell you what it is. I mean, <laughs> it was like he had to chew his, he would chew his food for a long time and uh, make sure, you know. Forever. Yeah, I mean, to make sure that it, because if he had some issue with swallowing and if, if he wasn't careful, he could, you know, choke on his food. So, mm -hmm. um, although I don't know, I never saw him have a, an incident and I don't know if that was, but um, it's, I, I don't think that it's possible, but I don't think that's very likely because the search was so extensive. If he had just sat down to have some food somewhere along a hike, you know, while having a hike. Yeah. Even a day hike and had choked on his food, I think it'd be much more likely that it would have been found. Okay. Uh, earlier you mentioned that he was a pretty likable guy. Would you have any reason to believe that maybe he had an issue with somebody and maybe they followed him into Yosemite? or anything like that? Or he was just such a nice guy that you couldn't picture that happening? No, I mean, Robin and I have, you know, talked about this in the past too. I mean, the, the only scenario where that makes any sense is where he came upon someone or something happening in the park. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Robin, again, probably knows more about this than I do, but, uh, you know, Robin, aren't there like uh, examples of, you know, people that have like, you know, been yeah. like when, when marijuana was illegal in California? Growing? Well, they were, the Rangers were telling us that how populated the drugs are there that you can actually fly them in and out without anybody seeing. And my brother would have gone up to anybody to talk to him. Everybody mm -hmm. they stopped for and search had talked to him. Okay. So, Wow. So, so that, that area of the park is so big that there could potentially be illegal operations back there that nobody's knowing about. Right. Yeah. But I mean, with Michael, it'd be more likely to sit down and smoke a joint with him. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> like go report him to anybody. So before we get into the actual search and rescue operation, because I, there wasn't a lot of info on that. And I'm really interested to hear kind of your perspective of how it all played out. Um, before we move into there, are there any other uh, things you'd like to mention about Michael, his past, or his, you know, how he was, who he was as a person? I mean, he was just, he was just a good guy. I mean, I can't say we were like super tight. We were mm -hmm. very different people, and and I think Robin, you and Michael were very different, but you know, we 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 all genuinely cared about each other, and we you know, gosh, he was, he was a good brother and a good guy. And we, we'd see him when we could not a lot, but you know, we, and then we'd see him at Christmas, he'd come home and, you know, my mom adored him, you know, or my mom, our mom adored him. And, you know, he, you know, he argued with my dad, but he probably liked my dad better than <laughs> don't you think? Probably. Yeah. This is uh this is really nice to hear about too because a lot of the cases we do we're we're a lot of times speculating about how the person was or who they were. In a few cases, we do get to talk to some of the family members, so it's very nice to really get an understanding of what who this person was and and hopefully for you guys give an opportunity to tell his story a little bit better than 
two guys out of Milwaukee that don't know much about his background. No, I mean, he was a <laughs> child of the 60s and had long hair and, uh, you know, I mean, he always looked like a little bit of a, a hippie, you know, and he, you know, he liked weed and he, you know, drank sometimes and he had fun with his friends he had two long-term relationships he wasn't mm -hmm. like a playboy to my knowledge i mean he but never married you know so. okay yeah he sounds oh, I know, like a, i know i would want to hang out with him for sure yeah, yeah he, he sounds like a fun guy <laughs> yeah absolutely um okay so moving on when we did the research we it, it, the research stated that once he was declared missing, the search and rescue operation started about four days um, after he left for his hike. Uh, it, like you said, you mentioned you were on the ground for the search and rescue operation. Can you kind of go through the the timeline of kind of when you heard that he was missing to, you know, at the end of the search and rescue operation where they kind of have to start, you know, cutting back. Uh, people on the operation um i think and robin you'll, again you'll have to correct me if i'm wrong but um i think that i tried to call and now it's funny because we didn't normally keep a close track of what he was doing he didn't always share his travel plans with us but i i think he had robin he did tell you right that he was going yeah he told he told me and i told him to make sure and call my sister when he got back, because if not, we were going to call the Rangers. Well, I was trying to call him. I remember trying to call him at home and he, and he didn't answer the phone. He was supposed to come back on a Monday and he had the day off and he didn't call, which wasn't unusual. I called and, Tuesday and yeah. couldn't reach him. And then, um, I don't know, probably by, was it by went up Wednesday night, night or Wednesday, yeah. Robin? Robin ended up getting, we got, we found the ranger at the information, the ranger station and spoke to the, spoke to someone up there who went to the parking lot and looked, was looking for his car and found it. And that was, um, then we knew something was wrong because obviously he would have been back by, by then. Mm -hmm. So Robin and I headed up the next morning, hoping to get a call on the way up if they found him or and they did call us on the way up to tell us they'd found his big, his backpack. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was four days after the start of his hike, but it was, it might've, it might've been three or four days after his plan returned by the time they started looking for him because they had to, mo they started mobilizing people that, well, they were mobilizing people as soon as they, they knew that he was supposed, you know, that he wasn't back. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, by the time, by that night, it, it was amazing. I mean, and Robin, tell me if you disagree, but it, it was, it was this, like, it was so impressive logistically. I mean, the Rangers, all the, the different groups and volunteers that were working together um, to find to find him, you know, coordinate, coordinated together. Um, it was, you know, everything from dogs to helicopters to- The Marines. Pardon? The Marines. 
or the Marines. I mean, it yeah. was crazy. Yeah. It was, mm -hmm. they had trailers set up, a command post pretty quickly. Um, and they, you know, they briefed us a lot on what they were doing and, and what they'd found, but they found his pack right away and decided that at some point we figured out Robin, right? That there were a few things missing from his pack. Like there was no water bottle. His yeah, and that, pe that people knew, because I saw something online about how would somebody know his water bottle was missing? Because everybody that saw him said he had a big milk, gallon milk jug with his name on it. That's what he used for water. And his camera wasn't in his bag. It was the camera bag that was in his pack. Okay, so so they found his big pack by the side of a trail. And the theory was that he had likely left, which was common, to do a day hike. Okay. And it was found at the snow line. They'd had a late snow. This was in June, right, Robin? Right. And it was, it was they'd had a late snow and his pack was found, found right about at the snow line. And they were concerned about that because it was cold you know, mm. at that point still. Okay. And for our listeners, it was June 19th of 2005 was when he was supposed to return. And on the 21st is when the official search and rescue kicked off. I just wanted to throw that in there for, for timelines. Uh, and if you, if you don't mind me asking and keep in mind, if there's any questions you don't want to answer, just that that's fine. But just to give an idea to our listeners of what the feeling was when you first started worrying about Michael. And then when you got in contact to, they found the car. They reached out to you and said, hey, we found his car, but we still have no contact with him. And you're driving up there. Um, what was what was the feeling? Did you think it was going to be something that, you know, maybe he'll just be gone a couple days? Were you more worried than that? I thought maybe he had just gotten hurt and they'd find him. But when they didn't start, when they didn't find him in a while, I was convinced somebody did something to him. Because he had been, years back, he had gone to... He was Yellowstone and broken his ankle and he actually crawled out for three days until they came and rescued him. So I knew if he was able to, he would get out somehow. Oh, wow. That's very, that's very interesting. So he already had kind of a run in, in the back country where he had to survive yes. for, for quite a bit with an injury. Right. So we, I mean, so after that, you know, my, our mom, I mean, we were all kind of on him about you know, checking in or letting us know where he went. Um, and interestingly, I, I had a private, oh God, I was trying to get hold of an ex-girlfriend, Claire, and it had something to do with his habits. Like they wanted to know about his plans and his, I guess his habits when he hiked. And the only person I knew that had, was an ex-girlfriend, Claire, and she was, I couldn't reach her. She was with her parents traveling or something. And I, I had a private detective that I knew look, looking for. And we finally got a hold of her. And she said something that um, was interesting was that he tended to over, um, what's the word I want? Um, overestimate what he could do in a day. When he went hiking, he tended to sort of overestimate how far he could go, how much he could accomplish in a, in a day. I think we've all been guilty of that as hikers. <laughs> yeah. You always think you can do more than you can. Yeah. But she also said that he would never leave his pack. 
they found his pack and it, it had the camera case in it and it was missing the camera. And then yeah. you, you made mention about, they said he was missing a water bottle or did they find the water bottle in there? Well, no, I, I had read on one of, I don't think it was your website, something along that line so that they said it was missing a water bottle. And the person that wrote this article said, how do you know it was missing a water bottle? Um, okay. Because everybody had seen him well, carrying that big jug of water. So, yeah, I mean, and um, also, I mean, if there was no water bottle, presumably he'd gone with one. I mean, mm -hmm. hike without a water container. Uh, and there was also, Robin, remember, there was a, a river nearer to where they found the pack. Yeah. So there were a couple of theories down down a slope from where. So, so there were a couple of theories when they couldn't find him. Uh, one was that he had gone for a day hike and had gotten lost. Uh, and the one was he had gone down to the river to get water and possibly swept away or fell in or whatever. Okay. So after they found his backpack, obviously the search continued. I'm guessing at that point when you, when they found the backpack, you maybe were thinking potentially that you would find him. Did the search and rescue operation find any additional objects of clothing or things he hiked with or tracks or anything like that no not that i remember nothing there was there was nothing after after that do you do you remember if that any of the dog teams ever picked up scent from him i know sometimes in operations they do pick up faint scent of the missing person they didn't but there were two different kinds of dogs they and i can't remember they had one available right away and the other not until later but they had uh they have tracking dogs and they had cadaver dogs. And I can't remember okay. which were available, but I mean, and they were interviewing people coming out of the park at different places, asking if they had seen him. They had, you know, they were posting, they were putting it on the news up there. I mean, it was crazy. This went on for like, it went on for a week. And I think Robin, didn't they say, there was a book where they said it was the most expensive search in, Yosemite history, uh, what was it? Like half a million dollars, something like that? I think uh, Robin must have, uh, we lost her. We'll see if she joins back up. Yeah, we'll see if she comes back. But uh, I that I think that's true. It was, I think, an eighth of the search and rescue budget for the company was spent uh, on his search that year, which is, I, it, it boggled our minds just in our uh, extensive research, finding out what they spend and the type of manpower they use to to search for people. So it was very, very significant search effort. Yeah, it, it was. It was it was very impressive. In the meantime, they're also doing an investigation like uh, on from the command post on his and the ranger station on him and his background. They're checking mm -hmm. hospitals. They're checking. They're asking us and other people questions about, you know, what's going on in his life. Was he suicidal? Did he have money problems like that? So they, you know, because they're saying you know, if we basically, if we find him, he's going to pay for this. And I'm saying, if you find <laughs> him, please, great. Let yeah. Him yeah. We'll figure that out later. We just want to find him. <laughs> um, okay. So during the search operation, how, what was your kind of opinion of the park rangers, the park service? I know in various cases this is kind of all over the map. Sometimes the family really feels um, that they the park service did a great job and other times they feel that they've kind of bungled the investigation and they didn't do it 
right or they didn't search for long enough. How, what was your opinion of kind of the overall search operation? Um, I thought they were incredible. I thought they were really amazing. I mean, every single person that was paid to go or volunteered to go or, um, you know, it was, it was incredible. I couldn't believe the resources that they put out for, I mean, I had, um, I worked for a family that sort of a long s story. I won't explain, but the, uh, I worked with a guy from Lebanon and I was telling him about the search and he said, who pay, who paid for that? <laughs> and I said, the, well, uh, taxes, I guess, our government. He, he said, oh my gosh. I said, what would happen if somebody disappeared in hiking in Lebanon? He's like, you know, then they disappear. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we were very grateful. Of course we were very, it was a, it was a very difficult time when they told us that they were stopping. It just didn't make any sense to continue. Uh, how how long did the search go? I know I, I can't remember what our research said, but I, I'm curious. Uh, you, were you on the ground the entire time the search was going on? I was more, yeah, more or less. Um, yes, I think um, we. I think we both left at least once. I think we had some responsibilities back, and I went to Santa Barbara to get a DNA sample. I remember that from his apartment, um, uh, from his hairbrush and, uh, gosh, what else? But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot, the, forgot the question, <laughs> the first part of the question. Oh no, I was, um, oh, it went on a week. It went on for a week. This search and rescue operation is going on. Obviously you've said that you felt uh, pretty grateful and that we know by how much they spent that it was a pretty large, operation was there anything while you were on the ground that stuck out to you as odd or unusual either people around the park or things you saw out in the woods on the trails anything that kind of stuck out as this is just kind of weird um i'm back can anybody hear me yes yes we got you <laughs> i'm back <laughs> <laughs> um there there was i mean there was nothing where not for, I forgot what I was gonna forgot what I was gonna say, but anything that struck us as weird about the about the people or sure. yeah, just kind of you, since you were on the ground during the search and rescue operation, was there anything from you know the searchers to the any you know weird things out in the park on the trail or any of the people that were around? Anything strange that st stuck out to you? No, I mean, I went back actually, um, like right afterwards. I mean, I left and I don't know, I'm trying to remember, gosh, it's not, it's not completely clear, but I want to say that I spoke to a friend of a friend who was a report, you know, claimed to be a psych psychic. And she said that she believed that Michael was still alive. And I ended up going right back up with his ex-girlfriend, one of his ex-girlfriends. And we didn't end up getting that far. We hiked to his, where they found his pack. Um, and I don't know what we thought we were gonna do, but I think we 
felt like we had to do something. I don't know. And, and I, you know, I mean, it just makes you realize how, how easy it would be to get lost. Cause there were, there were places where the trail, Robin, you probably remember this, where the trail, like, cause Robin's done the first part of that hike where the, where the trail, it becomes like rocks. There's no trail. It's just rocks. Well, then you have to, in theory, pick up the trail on the other side, you know, where, where the rocks, uh, and you know, trail picks up again and you just see how easily it would be how easy it would be to get get lost and the thing is that we learned is the trick is when you get lost is to stay put yep and i suspect that michael if he wasn't swept away by water or something probably didn't do what he was supposed to do or they would have found him he would have he probably decided to try to find his way back or out or something okay so after the search and rescue operation ended did you either of you meet with any of the law enforcement agencies involved and did they kind of go through kind of the case what they thought happened or anything that they found did they ever do that with you yeah i mean we did talk we definitely did talk to them and i talked to them for a long time afterwards on and off there was one ranger charlie fulham that i kept in touch with for a long time but robin and i also ended up um we we also hired another psychic who had worked with us some who was pretty reputable who had worked with the police some police departments right robin uh yes i and, remember right yeah and she this was a while later but she, she uh we got we got some we we got some feedback from her and she had some maps of Hetch Hetchy and and she believed that Michael had drowned and that his body had washed down into a particular part of uh, the park and we took that information to Charlie and he didn't really believe in psychic abilities but he did believe in. Uh, I guess intuition or he thought, you know, he was certainly willing to go look and they, they actually did have people uh, check that area when the riverbeds, um, because it was a, there was a lot of uh, moisture that year. There was a lot of, um, yeah, runoff. There was a lot of runoff that year. And so it took time for, you know, the water flow to go down enough for them for it to make sense for them to go look and they oh. did not find anything. I'm trying to, I had a thought, sorry. And it's, uh, it, it's escaping me now. <laughs> well, to be honest, like, the only really weird thing about the whole situation is that they never found him, his remains. It's, I mean, people get lost in Yosemite and have, you know, I don't know how many over the, over the years, lots of people get lost. People die in Yosemite. Yeah. But there was only one other case that I had heard about was a father that had disappeared and his sons had gone up there hiking every year and they hadn't found his remains, but they had since found, found him. Uh, so you mentioned earlier in the interview that uh, both of you have kind of gone to Yosemite kind of on the anniversary of when you went missing. Uh, how many years in a row or how many times have you gone back to kind of hike the trail that he was on or just to, you know, visit the, the area? We went back where like, up until about what three or four years ago because i can't do the hike anymore i can't do it 
I think I want to say we went at the first year and then at the 10th year. Okay. Remember, I don't remember going more than, than, than that, but we did go with also with some, some of his close friends. He had a very good friend who has since passed away, Tom, who Tom and his family went with us. Uh, Tom Eschenfelder, just a wonderful guy and a wonderful family. And they had been roommates in college. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I mean, and we did have a gathering at his house of his friends and, and we toasted him and you know, he was loved. You know, they have, as the years have passed, have you kept in contact with any of the people on the search and rescue operation, any of the park rangers or? It's been at least a few years since I've talked to anybody. I'm sure Charlie's retired now. And there was another, gosh, I'm trying to remember. No, I mean, now, no. Okay. So obviously, you know, having been there for the search and rescue operation, knowing Michael for a long time, what, and what's your theory on what happened to him? Obviously there, there could be, a whole list of different ideas on what happened to him, but be interesting to hear from you because you knew him really well and you were there for the search. Uh, so you kind of probably have a different perspective than anyone else on this case. Um, my thought is that he walked into a group of people that were doing something. I don't know if it was drugs or whatever, and they had to have done something to him because he would have walked and he would have approached anybody. So, um, yeah. And the pack thing to me, the, his backpack, I don't, uh, that bothers me because if he never left his pack, um, <clears throat> and it was leaned up against a tree and he was not a neat person, he wouldn't have leaned it. He would have thrown it down if he did. I don't, uh, that's my theory, but. Yeah. I think, I honestly think he either, again, either got lost or swept away. The temperatures were unusually cold and, I, I think, but I'm, I'm sure he passed away. Um, Robin, do you mind if I tell this story about, about Hollister? Uh, well, I don't, I don't care. Well, I, were you there? You weren't there with me, were you? Robin? I don't know what story you're talking about, Hollister but Ray. none of them on my mind if you say. Okay. Um, yeah, we, I went to see a medium uh, afterwards, uh, and it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, information. I was there. Were you there with Yeah. Okay. Sorry. There was a lot of information about, um, you know, generic stuff that, that, you know, might've applied to someone else. And, but at one point, no, no, Robin, you weren't there because I called you afterwards. She said, you said that my hadn't graduated he said she said he's saying he did never graduated uh from from college and i said well that's crazy because uh yeah. and i remembered very vividly because michael had a, a pot that he had in the closet before appearance again <laughs> and anyway so um and we've done the whole graduation and she said, well, everybody's telling me we theorize that maybe actually talk, you know, communicating to her. Maybe. 
afterwards, I phoned, I phoned Robin I first, and and did you remember that, Robin? Or you? Had put yeah. Touch? Yeah, I remember. She remembered, like, actually getting his diploma. I ended up calling one of his. Michael would like he had one more to run for one more class in order to completely like officially graduate. And in, in the meantime, they let him walk and do the graduation. I think we might have might have froze. Yeah, I can't. I'm happy. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. I can't. Yeah, she's freezing on me. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yep. Okay, so I'm sorry. I don't know where I, I ended up. Uh, it, where, where I picked it up, and, and Mike, you can tell me if I'm wrong, it sounded like the, you visited a medium, and they made mention of something like he didn't actually graduate, and you guys, even his family, were unaware that this was something you thought he did. And, I knew uh, it. And, uh, oh, you, okay, you knew it. And then yeah. um, it turned out that he had one more paper, even though he walked – uh, across the, 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 for the ceremony. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, his friends like verified that, that for us that he hadn't ever actually graduated. So I just thought that was really interesting. I mean, there's really no doubt in my mind that he's, that he's passed. So that, that's incredibly interesting. Did, did speaking to the medium and going through that process, did, did that help you get to some level of closure after the incident? Um, I, I think so because I mean it 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 confirmed well it, it confirmed my belief that he had passed and wasn't you know hiding in Mexico or something and it also um, um, I don't know yeah it, it did give me some closure I don't think Robin neither I don't think either one of us ever wanted them to find his remains honestly just in in a sense I was going to say just because if, you know, Michael didn't want to be, you know, sprinkled on the beach necessarily in Santa Barbara or buried in a, in a cemetery, I think he would have been happier knowing that his, his body, his earthly body, you know, was, you know, part of the ecosystem in Yosemite rather than, you know, having disposed of in some more traditional way. I mean, I think, he would have been yeah it's a really nice sentiment i like that too just he seemed like he was one with the outdoors and it's kind of that idea of he's now officially one with the outdoors yeah i mean i that's what i think anyway yeah that's uh th those are both interesting theories i know uh we our first episode we did a, was on a park ranger that went missing uh down near the mexican border and is we think it was a similar situation possibly of maybe running into something he shouldn't have seen. Um, but also it is very likely you can also get swept away in rivers if the, it's just rain. So I think those are all, you know, possible um, theories, but so yeah, as we uh, wrap up the interview, I guess, Joe, do you have any other questions? Um, I, I don't have any other questions. I just want to continue to reiterate uh, my appreciation for you both coming on here and talking about your brother. Um, it's As I said before, it's really nice for me and Mike to connect with family or people involved uh, to learn more about the individuals. I think we gleaned from our research that Michael seemed like kind of an awesome guy, loved being outdoors, loved hiking, doing all the surfing stuff like you said. Uh, it's just really neat to know that he really changed a lot of people's lives in a positive way and seems like 
the type of guy I would love to run into on the trail. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And before we wrap up, is there anything else either of you would like to say or let people know about Michael? Well, uh, for me, uh, not necessarily something about Michael, but I learned a lot about hiking safety after after Michael's disappearance. And I would just like to remind people to to what about pack six? Oh, I'd like people to make sure they take, you know, precautions and let people know where they are and take the items they might need to, you know, pre-plan, do a little research and make sure that they're properly equipped when, when they go hiking because it can turn bad really, you know, really quickly. No, that's great advice. I, Joe and I always stress that too. So I just want to echo uh, what Joe mentioned, that we're both really appreciative that you guys came on. I know I've been going back and forth uh, via email with uh, Honor for a while now, so it was good to, to finally meet, meet both of you and talk a little about Michael. And welcome back. Uh, Mike, that concludes the interview we did with Robin and Honor on Michael Allen Fisheries' disappearance. I learned a lot about him, which I really enjoyed. I said it in the interview. I, I really like learning more about these individuals because me and Mike, and again, we said it in the interview, but when we're researching these people, it's through kind of this lens that only we can create in our minds. So now we get that, that third-party perspective from people who love Michael, who gets to really do his story justice. Uh, we really appreciate that. I loved her sentiment about how she said Michael probably would be happy that if he passed out there, that his body is contributing back to the environment, which he loves so much. I really, I really liked that. It was nice to hear about the closure they got. And the thing about the medium was really cool. That was really, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Joe. It was a really interesting interview. I always like hearing about the search and rescue operations and people that were on the ground. And it was really nice for a change. I know the last couple episodes have been different, but it was nice hearing from family members who were really appreciative of the search and rescue operation and all the people involved. Uh, you know, both, both sisters said that they were just amazed by, you know, how many people came out to search and how much, you know, technology they had out there and dogs. And, uh, so it was really good hearing about that because a lot of times we hear about, you know, family sometimes are clashing with the investigators and don't think they they do a good enough job so i that, i really enjoyed hearing that part of the interview yeah and it was um i i'm not sure if it was uh recorded in there or not at the end of it but she mentioned that she started a company shortly after the disappearance because she learned a ton from the search and rescue people about things that everybody should have in their bag when they're out hiking even if it's just for a day it was called pack six uh we'll be sharing that information on social media she said the company was gone uh since she formed it but it basically was an educational business to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people who might go missing in the wilderness so look on our facebook and other social media phrases called pack six it was six crucial items that everybody should have in their pack uh that she learned from the search and rescue team so look forward to that um, outside of that, again, thank you all of our listeners, followers, people that share our show, all our new patrons that, that sign up and, and like our content, keep our show running. And just remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have all of our episodes on YouTube as well that come out. 
And if you're out hiking, walking, going through the woods, just always remember to leave no trace.